You're listening to Education Experts with EDX Education. Education is evolving. Join Heather Welch from EDX Education chatting with teachers, psychologists, parents, authors, creatives, and other talented experts to keep up with the trends and what's happening from around the globe. This podcast series from EDX Education discusses home learning, school readiness, being creatives, changing in education, discussing what's next, hands-on learning, or as we like to say, learning through play. Welcome everyone, I'm Heather Welch from EDX Education, and today I'll be in conversation with Dr. Alina Skritchpoknik. Alina is a doctor specialising in prenatal and postpartum women's health and paediatric physical therapy. Alina is an active mum based in New York, where she helps women stay active pre, post and during pregnancy. Also specialises in paediatrics, getting children active. Today we're chatting with Alina about trends in children being active and the importance of children being active in the USA her physical therapy practice, and how it benefits families and children. Also, ways to stay active with children whilst home learning, which a lot of us are at the moment in the UK and the USA. Welcome, Alina. It's wonderful you could join us today. Can you introduce yourself to our listeners and tell them about your passion for physical therapy? Hello, my name is Alina Skripachnik, and I'm a physical therapist from New York, I do mostly pediatric population as well as the prenatal and postpartum population. I received my doctorate in physical therapy from New York University. And due to being, you know, in the middle of this great city, I had amazing volunteer opportunities and clinical experiences throughout my schooling. And that really helped me solidify the knowledge that I wanted to be a pediatric physical therapist right out of school. And then, you know, once I became pregnant with my daughter, I saw that there was also a big need for prenatal and postpartum women's health care. And so I started doing that as well about four years ago. And I began working in preschool settings as well as outpatient settings, uh, doing pediatric physical therapy. And I was able to see and learn many different ways to approach various situations. So I feel like I was really able to get a wide you know, depth of knowledge into the field. So are you still going into preschools at the moment or? So I currently have a fully virtual schedule. All the children that I've been seeing have now been moved over to virtual therapy over Zoom or Google Meet. Oh, fantastic. So you can actually still see them over the, over this time. So is that when you're, are you, what are you doing over virtual? Are you setting up obstacle courses? What are the fun things you're doing for them? So I have, I have a wide age range. So with the younger children, we do obstacle courses because they seem to love that and they help set them up. So they have this, you know, feeling of accomplishment when they set it up. And then when I do these obstacle courses and then with the older children, aside from the obstacle courses, we do a lot of, you know, general exercise that you would as a parent do. So again, this is a great way to connect with your children as well, you know, exercise with them. Absolutely. It's family bonding. What inspired you first to become a physical therapist, let alone a pediatric physical therapist? From a young age, I knew I wanted to work with children. And I found that as a physical therapist, I would be able to have a big impact on their development and growth. And just because the nature of physical therapy, you tend to follow these children throughout the lifespan. So I really love that it wasn't, you know, just like a one and done, that I would actually be able to see these children weekly and work with their families closely. And I love the fact that I could form a bond with these families and with these children and see how they develop and help them gain new skills and watch their self-confidence grow and 
for me, it was it was a huge plus that this was like a long term thing. And then how young are the children? I suppose, do you go down to babies or how old do you actually have children from? Yeah, so I I do early intervention, which is starting with babies. um, And then and then it's kind of grouped into babies to three years old and then from three to five years old, which is like, you know, preschool children. And then I have some school age children going all the way up to 15 years old. And when it's children, is it like a hip dyspraxia or hip displacements and things like that when it's babies? Or what sort of things do parents come to you for? So it's a wide range of diagnoses. I've had, you know, things like Cryduchat syndrome, like really, gen- really serious genetic disorders. And then it's it's been things like, yeah, hip dysplasia, torticollis is very common, um, which is, you know, where the muscles in the neck um, might be weaker or shorter. So this is like a very common thing I see with babies, torticollis. Lena, and then I was going to actually ask you to explain that because I needed layman's terms, simple terms for that for me. Yeah, so, <laughs> so torticollis, layman's terms, basically parents will start to notice their child might be facing in a certain, in one direction. Like let's say they always look to the left versus mm-hmm. the right. And, you know, if it lingers for too long, um, you might start noticing a flat spot on their head because oh, they yeah. tend to you know, more time looking to one side. So the back of their head is leaning against a pillow or furniture, wherever they're sitting. And again, as they get older, if the torticollis isn't addressed, you'll see, you'll see some hand preferences, and then this could interfere with reaching other milestones. So, you know, I I feel like it's best to treat it as early as, as you can, as early as a parent starts noticing a head preference, you know, reach out to a physical therapist and find out how you can address the issue and how you can get them to start looking the other way, how you can start stretching those muscles that are tight. So could it be from birth as well? Do you get them from like from maybe a more of a traumatic birth? It could happen through a traumatic birth. Yes. If you have, you know, sometimes children, their shoulders get stuck. So that might cause some trauma to the muscles and then they might, you know, have that head preference. It could definitely be something that happens from birth. Um, It can also be that happens, you know, Early on, you know, a mother can be breastfeeding on one side mm-hmm. and sometimes the child just has a preference for one side and they end up just looking toward that side. Or, you know, they can be sleeping on their on their back and their head can always face a certain way and that could also create that preference. Or if there was maybe triplets and they're all squashed in. <laughs> can you <laughs> I've, I'm a twin, but I've never had twins myself. So I always think I had big babies. I think, wow, I couldn't have had two of them together, um, so, to be honest. But listen, as a physical therapist, you are passionate about keeping the world healthy, I'd say, or even women and children. Can you tell us why it's important for children to be active in their early years? Because I think that's sometimes where we miss from when they're babies. Yeah, so I think that this is, you know, as soon as you can, this is the perfect age to start building healthy habits, because really this is the time when the children are developing rapidly and learning the most at this age. So they are forming all these important neurological connections. And the earlier you begin to instill these healthy habits, the more likely they will continue them throughout their lifestyle. And, you know, it's so important for children to be physically active because from the physical aspect, there are so many positive benefits but there's also huge benefits on their mental and neurological health. You know, touching upon the physical standpoint, it helps improve cardiovascular health. 
It plays an important role in forming stronger bones. It helps build endurance and overall muscle strength. So really, these are things you want to be working on as soon as possible. And then from the other end, you know, the, the mental health end and the, the cognitive end, studies have shown that physical activity, specifically activity that engages, you know, goal-oriented skills, things like obstacle courses, they have positive effects on children's cognitive abilities. So children are able to improve executive functions and goal-oriented behaviors due to the fact that they practice, you know, all these physical activities while also having a goal in mind. So from a baby, would this be as simple as tummy time or even, you know, try, even if they don't like it? I know that one of my sons, for example, had quite bad colic or reflux and he couldn't stand being on his tummy. He really just disliked it. He sort of just liked being in a quite upright position. So would these sort of like little things would be, they're more important than we think? Yes. So tummy time is so important. And, and, you know, a lot of people assume that tummy time is just placing your baby on their stomach on the floor, but you can do tummy time reclined. Like let's, if you just said your baby was colic and had reflux. So you could have done tummy time on an incline so that he wouldn't be flat on his stomach, but he would still have, you know, that gravity kind of weighing down on his neck so that he'd have to pick his head up. A small pillow, I suppose. Exactly. Exactly. There are so many ways to modify tummy time to work for your child that starting as soon as, I mean, I, I, I tell people to start as soon as they're born, you know, put them on your chest and speak to them and have them look at you. And you can, the best way to do that is you can adjust yourself, put yourself on an incline if the baby can't be fully flat. And so it's like the first way you can engage your child physically. So when do you start doing sort of, I know that I've seen, I I first got introduced to you on Instagram where you've got this amazing obstacle courses that you put, that you have children go through and they're quite young. I'm surprised their balance and coordination is amazing. So, I mean, how how young do you start? I start pre-crawling. When I'm teaching crawling, I start, you know, placing things in their path so that they can figure out ways how to get around these things, how to get over these things. So I feel like it helps with crawling. If you place your leg in the baby's way and they want to get to a toy, that's already like a mini obstacle you're putting in their way. And then you just build it from there. You know, as soon as they start walking, you can start having them walk around obstacles and then walk over obstacles. And as their skills grow, you can make these courses more and more difficult to challenge their skills. It's funny, you know, it sounds like the simplest things sometimes are the best for their balance and coordination, isn't it? Like, just as you said, you just put your foot in the way and have to crawl over it. That is one of the simplest things, but it's effective, isn't it? Yes. Yes, it is. I mean, sometimes you don't need anything crazy. You don't need any special equipment. You really just need to have the idea in mind and you can really use anything in your house to, to help yourself. Well, I suppose that's what people have been doing for the last 12 months with a lot of, you know, you know, something I'd be interested in, I'd love to know the trends if you know what's happening in the USA with children being active. Are you finding a decline with, you know, we've had an you know, unconventional school year due to home learning for a lot of it in many estates in the UK and the USA. Have you found yes, a I mean, decline or? There has definitely been a decline. There was actually a study conducted in the, you know, the early months of COVID where the initial shutdown of schools and of physical activities for children. It was a, it was like a parent report. So parents, almost 50% of parents reported that their children had much less physical activity and a lot more sedentary activity. 
And you can imagine now with children being, you know, doing virtual school or with having to social distance where sometimes, you know, they can't be in gym and do the physical physical activity they would normally do. There is definitely a large decline in physical activity, especially now in, in states where it's colder and you can't really go anywhere and people are stuck at home. And if you don't really know how to make your home into a physical activity friendly area, it can be much easier to just, you know, forget about it and then kind of just, you know, when it gets warmer, we'll, we'll pick up. Eleni, if they don't know how to make knobs, they, can, they need to check out your Instagram account <laughs> and have a look at what you do. Because yours is all, in, a lot of that was indoors, isn't it? Yes, most of it is indoors because right now in New York, it's freezing and it's snowing and we can't go anywhere. And how cold is it over there? Oh, so right now it's about 36 degrees. Fahrenheit. Um, <laughs> pretty cold we have snow on the ground and ice on the ground it's, it's pretty chilly oh that's okay we've actually we're okay this week so we're actually we've, we've finally got a warmer week so we're coming into spring it feels like we're actually coming into spring but i saw what i saw this week is in the usa is texas i mean that's got a huge cold snap doesn't it yes i mean there was it was i know friends in texas and yeah they they've been having issues people's houses have gotten tremendous leaks just because they weren't really prepared and it's very unfortunate. It's, it's, it's different for them. You know, they're used to nice warm weather and then this happens. I know. Alina, I, when I lived in the Middle East for a long time and uh, you don't have snow, obviously, unless it's man-made. But I remember my friend telling me that when I moved back to the UK is that if it's going to snow, run your taps permanently. <laughs> was, the, was the only piece of advice they gave me so they don't freeze <laughs> over so I can get some water the next day. But listen, I suppose one thing that we'd really love to know more about is your practice and how it benefits families and children. If you could explain a little bit more for us. Of course. So I am a private physical therapy practice currently, which means I I don't take insurance. So I work for myself, which is great because I don't have any time constraints. Um, insurance is like to put time constraints on physical therapy. But I work with young children, mostly babies to school-age children. And I work with a wide range of children from children who have severe disabilities and who require more frequent sessions in order to reach goals to children who might just have some mild weakness or coordination uh, goals and they just need some extra help getting active. So really, I've seen it all. And recently, you know, because of the weather and because of COVID, I started virtual playgroups that I have extended to children of all abilities. So even if you don't have any goals and you just want your child to be active, I've created groups for children depending on their their goals, their skills, their age. And we just do obstacle courses or with older kids, we do group exercise sessions. And all of the sessions are created with, with a developmental component in mind. That's fantastic. That's really nice actually to actually to build that community spirit as well, like to have those group sessions and not just one-on-one. So you can, I don't know, maybe get community a bit competitive if they're older against each other or anything, set some challenges. So that sounds like a lot of fun. What's the main thing you're finding now in the USA that parents are bringing their children? Is it you know, if you look at all of the statistics, is it because there's a decline in, say, parents spending time with the children and doing those basic, taking them to the park, doing these basic running, teaching them how to ride a bike, just because we're so time poor with work and all these other things that we do have this club culture where we sort of push things out to other people. Is that a nice way to say it at times? I mean, unfortunately, 
No, unfortunately, the truth is that a lot of parents are so busy right now. And especially now with having to take your work home, you're basically expected to work all the time, right? Because, you know, <laughs> it's your home. <laughs> yeah, so, so, they, so a lot of children are, are kind of left, you know, to their own means. And while I do think that free play is so important, it helps children develop their own skills and it helps children explore. I do think that sometimes you do need structured activities in order to kind of help you, you know, set a goal and reach that goal. And now, whether it's due to lack of time or because a lot of, you know, places are still closed. I mean, in New York right now, they just started opening up hockey and things like that. So a lot of session, a lot of activities like gymnastics and dance are still not fully operating. So a lot of kids who are going to these after school programs or going to, you know, extracurricular activities after school or even during school, like school sports, some of these things are still not happening. So all of these abilities that the children have had for physical activity have kind of been diminished. And, you know, some parents might not even know how to engage their children in physical activities. Yeah, that's um, very good. What about, so, and a lot of children probably in New York, if they're in inner city New York, they live in, well, less of a backyard, they wouldn't, as a garden, they wouldn't have somewhere to run and play apart from the park. Would that be correct? Yes. So I, I am lucky to be in, you know, a suburb 30 minutes outside of New York City proper. Um, so I have a yard, but I, I know my close friends, they live in these big apartment buildings where, you know, they would usually take their children to the playroom in the apartment buildings. But now that they're, they're closed, you really don't have much, you know, much to do unless you go to Central Park or any of the smaller parks that have now also opened up. I know before the parks weren't open, so children really had nowhere to go. Um, but now the parks closed in New York. They closed everything. The parks were closed. Yes, the parks were closed because, you know, they didn't know. This was early on. They didn't know, you know, how far the spread would go. And then a few months ago, they did open up the parks. So children were able to, to go back to that. That's really nice. So they'll be able to, see, you know, even pass their friends or even see other children. It's quite hard when they're being in such a severe lockdown, to be honest. So your school's back as well, or they're just starting to open up? Um, so some schools are back. A lot, Actually, a lot of schools have begun opening up, but I do know the children on my caseload, they have all elected to do a full year of virtual school. So because they are doing virtual school throughout the whole year, I have them doing virtual therapy the whole year. And for me, it's easier because I'm also home with my daughter who has taken the year off of school due to the pandemic. So yeah. for me, this is it's great. Nice. Because, you know, there's sort of a double-edged sword times because it's really nice to spend time with your children. I know for myself, it's really nice to have my children at home. But then sometimes with the juggle of work, you sort of, it's like, oh no, what are you going to do <laughs> type thing? So <laughs> it does make it a little bit hard, but it does make you look at your priorities and your perspective a little bit as well. Alina, with so many parents homeschooling and being at home and maybe having a minimal space, do you have any tips for parents to keep their children active? Yes. I love using things that you already have at home when you don't have much space. Things like pillows and socks and furniture and especially painter's tape. I've actually posted a few obstacle courses using painter's tape and you can leave the painter's tape on the floor or even on the furniture and then assign different different activities to each little station. 
Again, if you check out my Instagram, you'll see how I assigned different activities to different areas of the obstacle course set up with the painter's tape. I have also been using my EDX logs and stones a lot in creating obstacle courses. And again, those things are, are something you could leave up for a while and have your child just, you know, visit them throughout the day. You don't need to make them do a whole bunch of repetitions in one time. You can have them do two here, two there, set up a little puzzle. Maybe they can, you know, take a piece of the puzzle, go through an obstacle course, and then, you know, complete the puzzle that way. And that way you get a few repetitions of, you know, this obstacle course that they do while they're trying to complete the puzzle. When you're watching TV, you can have your children do exercise during the commercial breaks. If you're giving your child screen time, you can also have them do things like tall kneeling or half kneeling, where you're working on their core strength while they're doing their activities on, on the tablet. And again, um, there was a study that showed children who do aerobic exercise um, do have better cognitive function. So you'd be working, you know, on cognitive function through both, you know, if you have an educational activity on your tablet, as well as having some exercise while you're doing whatever you're doing on your tablet. A healthy heart and a healthy mind. Now you've got a really great infographic on your Instagram, which is keeping kids active during the pandemic. And I see that there you've got different age groups. So if someone wants to have some activities as well, they can jump onto your Instagram and you've got, so under one year, you've got a toddler years and older children. You've got some great activities in the infographic that they can jump on and have a look at. Yes, exactly. It's, it's, it's very helpful for now, for the times we are in right now. Best work for your child and for you. Fantastic. And your email is? alinadpt at gmail.com. Fantastic, Alina. Thank you so much. It's wonderful having you here today on Education Experts. Now, I love it that you've got your passion and your education and you've put it together and you've become, and, and you're able to do it by being a mum, be a super mum as well. So you've been able to become a doctor specialising in women's health and paediatric physical therapy. And I love that you're doing the preschools, like not preschools, you're going to schools when they're open, you're able to, but also these, these community groups sound fantastic for people to join. So if anyone have any questions for Alina, please get in touch and I'll make sure that there's links when we put up the podcast as well. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. There are so many exciting developments happening right now in education. EDX Education would love to hear from you, so do get in touch or subscribe to our podcast, which is available on Apple, Podbean, Spotify, TuneIn, and so many more. This podcast series is brought to you by Heather Welch from EDX Education, as she'd like to say, let's create lifelong learners.